You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about. Okay, it's 802. How are you doing? Welcome. Episode 54 of the Sports Therapy Association podcast. How are you? How are you doing? It feels good to be back. Um, I must, first of all, at the risk of forgetting, say thank you very much to Mike Grice um, of Movement Therapy Education, who last week um, held the fort whilst I was sunning myself up in the northwest of England. Um, it, I've listened to it myself, obviously. I'm a big fan of the show. Um, and it was a great episode um, with Dan Anderson, who was kind enough to come along of DA Human Mechanics and Beth and Timmins of Timmins Health and Performance. Um, and they were talking about career opportunities and options uh, for graduate sports therapists. Um, so that's live now. Um, you can download it as a podcast. You can see it on YouTube if you like watching the video uh, part of it. Um, and yeah, thanks, Mike, for standing in again. Um, we'll talk later because I'm going camping, apparently. I've just been told so there will be another one, but we won't talk about that now. I'll do it later on. Um, and also I've uploaded, um, in case you haven't seen it yet, um, the insurance special, which was episode 52 with David Balin from Balin's, which is brilliant. I've, I listened to that back as well. Um, such a nice bloke. And and I think it was really good because it, it it showed the person behind Balin's. It showed that although it seems like they're just an organization taking money, they're not that at all. And when you see the the work that goes into providing the service they do, and you see the guy whose who's family before him, his grandfather, and then parents, and then, and then him, and now his sons continue to strive for what the reasons they're doing it, then it's really quite warming. Um, and also a lot of information on their page, free CPD videos and stuff. Really interesting, really interesting guy. And I thought it really helped um, give you an idea of what Bellins is all about. So the next time you're on hold or the line goes dead, you won't start kind of getting your voodoo dolls out. You might realize, okay, well, there are 80 employees over the country, but they might be a bit busy at the moment. So really healthy episode and really nice bloke. So thanks, um, David Bailin, for giving us your time for that. Again, that's all on YouTube. If you want to watch the video, um, if you do go to YouTube and you enjoy it, then uh, do please leave a comment or leave a rating or something, particularly on Apple uh, Podcasts if you go there um to the sports therapy association podcast leave a rating um leave a review that really helps to just climb the google search index which is what it's all about if you're on an iphone that takes literally a minute so do please do that if you like the show and you want to show some support just please just leave a rating and that really helps it just raise and get the good word out there um what else in housekeeping i put the um month ahead out there now let me just get rid of this little widget along if you listen to the podcast you can't see anything on the screen so sorry about that but we do like to try and keep it live it's kind of what it's all about um because it's an opportunity for networking and, and that sort of thing as well so what we've got on the screen at the moment let me just hide that welcome to sports therapy association we've got um a little um bit of artwork showing who's coming up this month so i'm very excited tonight uh, for an endometriosis special which i only just managed to fit onto the adverts i'm glad the name isn't any longer um, with Deborah Thurlow Rowley, which is an equally long name. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a fascinating topic. Again, something which I certainly don't know enough about. And as we're going to see as we chat to Debs, um, that um, it's something we can help with. Again, people are going to come through our doors when you hear to the stats and you hear how they, they're going to be walking through our door, whether we know it or not. And it's better if we do know it because we can guide them again in the right direction. So really looking forward to that. Um, and then next week, we've got Chris Tiley. Um, of um, he's going to do over 60s resistance training 
uh, never too old to lift which is a great website i know a lot of you are looking forward to that there was a lot of love for chris when i put this out on social media and rightfully so the week after that we got a back pain special with rob beaven i'm very excited about who uh, of the back pain podcast um he's putting out some wonderful stuff and it's a great show and again i mean i'm biased but it's all about trying to find a nice way to evolve and educate ourselves without feeling kind of beaten up and oppressed and kind of all our stuff's rubbish no no that's no, not the way forwards so they're putting out some great information and i'm really excited that uh, yeah we've got the pleasure of spending an hour with rob who's one of the co-presenters and then talking of lovely people mike james is back i'm at the end of the month um from sports injury fix who's going to be talking about cpd which is another big thing Obviously, things are picking up again now. There's lots of things in the pipeline which are happening in the next month or so, which begs, you know, the question, how do you pick? How do you know what to, to join? How do you know how much to pay? Um, and that sort of stuff. And we do pride ourselves at Sports Therapy Association in being trying to give you the opportunity to pick whatever you want. We'll give you some guidance without hopefully too much bias. Um, and, and that's why some people say to me, you know, why are you advertising this when you're normally online saying, oh, why are you don't be doing that. Don't be doing these adjuncts. It's a waste of time, which I don't really say. I just personally don't really favor them much, but we don't tell you what to do. We just try and give you information and you can choose which of the courses um, you do. So that's what it's all about. Um, so there we go. So very exciting month coming up. Um, I can't wait to get through all of these guests. I'm just going to say hello to people who have joined us on Facebook. Um, already the place is filling up. If you do join us live on Tuesdays at 8 o'clock, then obviously when you come in, you can um, put your comments up on the screen. Look, there's a lovely picture of Emma Victoria Wardle there with some lucky chap next to her. Um, evening all, says Emma. Hey, how are you doing, Emma? Mark Nussie is in the house. Um, Emma is already recommending this out to other people. Um, Emily, you may want to listen in or catch up. There we go. Gary's in the house as well. Hey, Gary, how are you doing? Founder of Sports Therapy Association. Becky, longtime supporter um, and valued member of STA is here as well, listening from her fresh new clinic. Congratulations, Becky. How exciting. It's been a pleasure watching a few of you setting up your clinic now. We're allowed back face-to-face and that sort of thing. So I hope that's really going well for you. It seems like we're beginning to see the beginning of the new norm, which is really exciting. So... Who else is Emma? Emma, thanks for doing the PA here. Look, Lauren Charlotte, you may also want to have a listen. It's amazing. Thank you. Keep going. Keep going. Catherine's here talking of new clinics. Hope you're well, Catherine. Oh, Deb, I don't want to say much. We've got a lot of people in here tonight. It looks like there's going to be some questions. <laughs> no pressure, Debs. Stacey's here as well. Good evening. Lizzie Roby's here. Such a cracking lineup. I know, isn't it just? Um, and Lauren Charlotte is here watching and Mike Grice is here. Thanks, Mike, for covering last week. Really, really kind of you. Great job as always. Um, and yeah, we'll talk later about another little camping expedition I've got. But anyway, there we go. So if you listen to the podcast, sorry about that, but maybe you can come and join us live. You know, we normally have between 40 and 80 people um, here talking, discussing, asking questions, and you're welcome to join us. You haven't got to be an STA member. It's open to all soft tissue therapists. And that includes obviously physios, chiros, osteos, uh, non-osteos, anything, whatever you want to call yourself, come along and hopefully you'll get something out of it. Right. Enough of me warbling on. So tonight we're going to have the pleasure um, of an hour with Deborah Thurlow Rowley and it's an endometriosis special so obviously fire those questions away um, it'd be great to listen to um, Deb's story and obviously if you do have any questions then we'll give you contact details um, and uh, links to go to for further information so without further ado let's bring up who I should now refer to as simply Deb's <laughs> there you go how are you doing Hi, everyone I'm good, so thank I'd, you. And sorry how to you? leave you down there. Sorry to leave you down there for a while. Always for the right. I just kind of like popped up. 
You sounded like you're enjoying yourself at my ridiculous <laughs> chatter. So that's good. You were laughing. Very informative. Very excited about what's coming up. Some great stuff. I was there laughing is. at you. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> But it's great. And including you as well. It's been it's been great. We've had this in the pipeline for a while. And it's a really important subject, as we're going to hear about um, if your first you've spoken a lot on, on it. Um, but it's your first yeah. time to actually do a podcast, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Great. This is a, a virgin podcast for me. So, yeah. Very there you excited go. About doing this. Gentle then with the guys. OK, Thank gentle. You. Be nice. Exactly. Um, let's get rid of that for a moment so I can see you ready. There we are. So, um endometriosis let's i always like to kind of guide the podcast as if people really don't know anything about it so at the fear maybe obviously you work in it um and um you um have to deal with it on a daily basis yourself but for someone who's really not aware of what it is how do you how do you tell them how do you explain it well what i'm going to say if i'm going to read exactly what it is so we have endometriosis leaflets um from endometriosis uk so i'm going to read exactly what it is because i think that's much clearer um and it's a, a good way to do it so endometriosis is a condition where cells similar to the ones lining the womb grow elsewhere in the body generally the pelvis These cells react to the menstrual cycle each month and bleed. However, there is no way for the blood to leave the body, which can then cause inflammation, pain and the formation of scar tissue, which we know as adhesions within the the cavity. So, for example, mostly it's found within the pelvic cavity, cavity, but sometimes it's been found on the brain. Sometimes it's been found in the diaphragm, arms, legs, and it's even been found in men as well, but very rarely. Okay, so straight away you blow my mind. I didn't realise. I thought I'd read up a little bit on it thinking of it. I didn't realise it can sometimes be found in men. Yep, there has been um, a number of men across the world. So I'm just talking about the UK at the moment, but across the world um, where they found um, in in a man's brain, they found it in a lung. Um, so it, it could depend, I guess, I would assume on chromosomes. We don't really know why endometriosis um, presents in um, over 46 million women across worldwide um over 2 million in the uk we don't know why it's an amazing stat as well so just to repeat that so how many women did you say in the uk so in the uk there are over 2 million women so uh, it's one in 10 currently um have a form of endometriosis so painful periods um and it could present in many many different ways so painful periods sounds like, and I'm not obviously speaking from experience, but having mixed with women most of my life, it's something which a lot of women probably just assume it's just me. It's just my luck. I just have a heavy period. So you're saying yeah. that we need eyes a bit more open to what it could be. Yeah, so very much so. Um, pain in the um, abdomen because you're having a period is not normal. It is not normal. <laughs> Everyone says, oh, it's normal. It's fine. Nope. You should not receive incredible pain, pain that is debilitating and throws you to the couch where you're curled up in a ball. That is not normal. Um, You may feel some slight discomfort, but if you are in incredible pain, that's not normal. If you are having um, really sore, loose bowels, that is not normal. There is um a correlation between everything kind of kicking off in the womb and then obviously some sort of um bowel situation as well but it should never be of the extreme and often when um a woman goes to a gp and says oh my god i'm in so much pain i've got these periods a they they're told it's quite normal b they're told to go and get pregnant 
um, C, they're told it's in their head, <laughs> and D, they are misdiagnosed with various different types of things, PID, pelvic inflammatory disease, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, all sorts of different things. So um, I think it's very difficult to get a diagnosis. It, it took 10 years to get me diagnosed. We've heard this similar from other great pelvic health physios we've spoken to. We spoke to Emma Brockwell, Gwanya Donnelly. We spoke to the guys as well. Um, uh, Gerald Green was only a few weeks ago. And they've all kind of insinuated the same thing. The GPs just seem to brush it off. How you've had experience yourself, you've looked into yeah. it, you've researched it, you work with women with it. Yeah. Why is it that the, the level of service, it seems, when, when young women do go to GP seems to be like that? Why are they being told these things? I think miseducation um not enough funding for education so endometriosis uk who i'm the co-leader for for bedfordshire um in the uk um they try and put out as much awareness as possible to then try to raise funds so that it becomes more aware um we are working with the nhs in varying forms to try and educate so that it gets to gp level but it's very difficult to get GPs to understand and, and it presents you've only got sort of six to ten minutes with a, a general practitioner to say right well I've got really painful periods okay well let's deduce it's not this it's not this it's not this and that can take years <laughs> so there are key things that um, endometriosis could be and, and and there are women now that um, I hear about that come to me and they say uh, this is happening, that's happening. I'm like, have you thought about endometriosis? It could be, why don't you go to GP? And they'll say to the GP, um, could it be endometriosis? And even then the GP says, um, well, <laughs> I'm like, oh. Really um, so it's just ill-education, I think. We're, we're getting there, but it's slow. It's really sad. I'm not having to go at GPs, but like you say, it could no. be a funding issue. It could be, I remember my wife, only from personal experience, but she had um, a five a fibrosis when she was pregnant with the first okay. one it was this big ball that was sticking out it looked like an elbow or a foot and we actually started thinking how cute and then it started oh, then we yeah. realized that something was kicking the ball and it was kind of coming out even further and and it was okay. very uncomfortable obviously when she was speaking so she went to the doctors actually just the doctors no we ended up going to the hospital to the a&e it was really uncomfortable mm -hmm. and yeah. even then um it was kind of brushed off like oh no that's okay it's just the foot coming out it's and she's like it's not the foot because i can feel when inside yeah. my baby is kicking it forwards yeah Trust and they the woman, kind of they know their yeah, body but they wouldn't have yeah. it and they went yeah, out and no. said because she was so insistent as a blessing my wife is and loved a bit yeah. then she said no <laughs> it's not the foot okay never yeah. argue with a pregnant woman it's basically <laughs> no. 101 but yeah, <laughs> yeah he no. went out and then someone else came in to have a look and and they were like oh yeah you're perfectly right we really don't see many of these at all and when it came to the to the um actual birth which was as you said earlier when we were in off air sunroof delivery then they actually took it away and said are we okay can you sign here which i thought was amusing i love it when they give women who've just had <laughs> a cesarean a little thing to sign is okay if we what? take this away yeah. But she did, and they took it away for medical examination to present to other students. But Fantastic. doctors do seem to oh, happen so much. They were always saying with massage therapists, if you listen to the patient enough, then they'll tell you what's wrong with them if you give them the opportunity to speak. Yeah, but whilst it seems you're working with your board. hands, open yeah. your ears. Yep, exactly. yep. close Even your mouth, GPs work your hands. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. It's a shame. But anyway, hopefully, hopefully through things like this and yourself doing the great work you do, then things are getting better. Yeah, so we it's will like, get there. Yeah. That's very positive. So one in <laughs> 10, basically, you said, did mm -hmm. you? 
which yep. I think I read somewhere is similar to diabetes, isn't it? Yep. So um, diabetes is more well known than endometriosis. And yet, you know, half the population are female. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of us out there that uh, are dealing with endometriosis on a daily basis and just don't know which way to turn. And it can be very frustrating. Um, so I know that people are trying to work through it. They take days off sick and um, the employers really don't know what to do either. I've had people coming to me saying, um, we, we employ these people, how do, I, how do I deal with it? Which is really proactive, but there are employers that don't understand. And that's again where Endometriosis UK comes in because they have a website where you can go on there and find documentation that you can then send or give to your employer and say, right, it's this, it's that. But of course, they have sick days because they can't move. You know, um, I've spoken to people even recently that have to sit down in between um, seeing people or whatever, because it's just it's just too much. Um, and that's not normal. And the good thing about it is that, OK, that's not normal, but we can do things. Um, endometriosis is incurable. There is no cure. And there are ways that um, you can adapt to living with it. Um, and for example, um, there are now MRIs that can diagnose it rather than having to go through a laparoscopy. Um, there are a number of women that have been through many, many laparoscopies. I've, I've been through four, um, but it just means that there is a way that you can make yourself better and you can deal with this pain. Um, there are many, many avenues. Yeah, uh, it's, I mean, I want to before we get into your story, which will let, mm. is, is obviously a first-hand account of how painful it is and what you've been through in your experience, uh, mm. it being missed and not diagnosed. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited because as we were talking a little bit off air before, it's another example where I think people are going to come to soft tissue therapists because they're in pain, they've got pelvic yeah. pain or lower back pain, which could be symptoms of this, and 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 it's another opportunity I think for massage therapists just if they ask the right questions and open the, the door to conversation to actually help these people get diagnosed rather than waiting another seven years, we're more likely to see them probably before the GP even because they just think, oh, I need a massage. That's all. True. Get on with work. Absolutely true. Yeah. I'm nodding so, away here. So people on the podcast well, can see yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, people, the people watching at the moment, there's something going on here. No one's leaving any questions. So it's two possibilities. One, we're no longer live. Or two, okay. everyone is so transfixed with what you're saying that they're just okay. like, oh my God, this is such an eye opener. If someone just wants okay. to say hi, just to make yeah, sure hi. that you can actually still hear us, Danny or Helen is or Mike. Is this helpful? Does anybody have any questions? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It probably, I mean, the numbers are filling up as we're talking, so I think they're just sharing it, but we'll continue. Okay. But someone could say hi, that'd be great. Uh, um, so yeah, it's, it is, isn't it? It's an example of, so what sort of questions do you think massage the hey thanks lauren lauren's just said hey thank you lauren. <laughs> Hi, what sort of questions do you think um massage therapists who see a lot of people yep. coming in with pain could have on their parkour to give people yep. an opportunity to tick what sort of things could they add which could help these people get referred properly yeah so um I mean, I've, I've got a little list i think i was saying to you before off air that um the nice team so through the nhs um, have done a sort of what they call it a first presentation. So there's like a little tick list that says things such as, are you, you know, in chronic uh, pelvic pain? So not not necessarily acute, but the longevity of the pain. So is it chronic? Has it continued for a long time? Um, is it um, affecting everything that you do on a daily basis? Um, 
do you have dyspareunia, which is sexual intercourse? Is that painful for you? Um, is there something that you're suffering with cyclical uh, gastrointestinal stuff? So uh, an IBS type of situation. Do you suffer with those quite regularly, even if you're not on your period? Most women are quite happy on a one to one basis to talk about their period, even if the soft tissue therapist, massage therapist is male. If you ask the question, they'll go, oh, yeah, I'm really heavy or I'm really light or oh, I'm a bit, you know, most women will probably say um, if it's painful um and there's also um urinary tract infections it's quite um symptomatic with endometriosis so if there's a lady that's coming in that's constantly having utis um you can say mm, uh, how are your periods you know um so just asking the questions um are they regular do they have a period app um is a really good way to sort of find out how they're doing if they're in pain you can see how it's moving and, and, and how they're doing. And they, and they feel in control of it as well. A lot of the time when you're in um, acute and then chronic pain, you're not in control anymore. And, it, and it's a horrible feeling. So to have something where you can then control that like an app and then you can go to a GP and say, look, GP, for the last 12 months, <laughs> I've been all over the place. Help me out. You know, and that's really mm -hmm. helpful. So I'm interested, people, I understand you can't see the comments, which is a shame because no. they're all saying hi. I'm sorry about that. I'm not sure hi, what that is. everyone. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all loving it. So people who are out there in here, I'm interested to know, people who have joined us live, do you have a question on your medical park cues, which the patients normally fill out beforehand, um, to do with periods? Um, or do you just have the kind of typical um, do you suffer from incontinence or something like that? Do you go, do you, do you, give the the person coming in the opportunity to actually um, mention whether they're regular or whether they um, are having particularly heavy periods is it something you put in there or is it something you've deleted off thinking oh no one's actually gonna want this question it's just let's just make my <laughs> let's make it fit onto the page it's such a shame it goes onto a page and a half let's condense it down because i know that can happen especially yeah, the younger therapists trying to make it look neat so yeah people let me know out there whether you do um, and whether in, in your case it's actually stimulated a conversation whether you've seen a tick which somebody else said it's so nice, isn't it? You don't want to sit down and go, so thanks for coming in today. How are your periods? Because it's just not really, <laughs> they're not expecting it to come from your mouth. They should be, hopefully no. one day. But if you give them the opportunity to tick a box, that's almost saying, I don't mind talking about this, you know, because they've ticked it. And then you could see it and then and open up conversation. Yeah. But yeah. Another, another thing, Matt, sorry um, to interrupt you. Another thing is um, infertility. So a huge issue with endometriosis is infertility. It's, it's, this is going to go slightly on, off on a tangent. Mm. But often as therapists, we will see women that are trying to conceive because they're trying everything. They're trying to relax. They're trying to chill out. Um, they're trying to get pain sorted. So it's not just about pain. It's also about trying to rest. And that's another reason, um, you know, oh, my periods are irregular. Oh, um, uh, yeah, I might be looking at IVF. Oh, why is that? You know, what's happening? So that can also be a, another thing. If, if they're trying to get pregnant and they're not getting pregnant, why? Very interesting. Okay, fine. There's a few questions coming out now. We've woken people up a little bit. Um, let's have a look then. <laughs> are you okay to take some questions? Yeah, go for it. Right. So Sammy Jack, normally you can see this makes it very exciting, but I'll read it I out. I can <laughs> Thank you. Also, Sorry. For people listening to the podcast, and this is the question. It's coming up on screen, but it says, Sammy Jack says, how would we help manage the condition for individuals who have been diagnosed? Advise and treatment modality wise? How do you mean? So if somebody um, has been diagnosed with it, 
mm-hmm. um, and they've come to us because they are in pain. Let's imagine they're being seen already. Is there is it something that massage can help with? Um, and if so, for what reason do you think? Yeah, it depends on where the pain is and what the level of pain is and what discomfort they're feeling. So um, one of the uh, symptoms of some of the severe pain is women get um, shooting pains from the like hip flexor down to the knee. Um, it's a nerve situation. So all of the nerves going around in the pelvis area um, then send pains going straight down. So any um, effleurage type of feeling so going up into the groin area is really soothing um, any lower back pain um, because of the um, the way that the womb sits in the sort of lumbar section um, is really comfortable um, to have very sort of sort of normal tissue massage nothing too deep um, nothing too heavy you don't want to be shifting stuff around it's it's sore um, but it feels nice and it definitely helps to relax so the more relaxed you are the more comfortable it is and then many women with endometriosis um, love heat love heat so they put all these heat things on them um, to try and um, make it better the problem with that is they end up with burns because it's, they need it so hot that um, there's like scalding on the skin. So I will often suggest a TENS machine um, to help with uh, some of the pain. Um, but also we can do that as therapists. We can help like like a TENS machine. So we can use little baby trigger points um, along the spine, um, along the um, back of the sacroiliac like area um, to just try and ease and soothe. So yes, we can help. Fantastic. That's really interesting to know. I'm really positive as well. Um, we've yeah. got Claire Hunter here who's um, bigging you up and saying, Hello, I'll read it out again. <laughs> um, Claire Hunter says, I've had a great chat with Debs about this. She's the only one, I'll just repeat, she's the only one so far to fully understand and makes you feel like you're not um on your own for two three days a month it's like you've just given birth again exclamation mark the pain goes down your legs into your feet too just awful you dread it coming so there we go yeah, thank you claire that's really kind thank thanks for you. sharing yeah, claire it's um we had a really good chat thank you fantastic um let's have a look oh no becky cow's just gone perhaps random i'm going to spin past that becky for the moment because i know you and it will be random let's have a little look <laughs> <laughs> um oh katie greenhalf has said here um can i just add some people don't have every single symptom i guess that's important as well it's very that's individual right. yeah absolutely that? yeah absolutely that's absolutely right um thank you uh, it's a really good point so every person that ever comes through the door to see you is a different person whether they're male or female and it, and it's the same endometriosis presents in different ways which is why the gps have so much trouble trying to diagnose it and it, it can take up to seven years now it used to be 10 years now it's seven um so it's worth asking the questions and getting to know your person um your client your guest or whatever your patient whatever you, you you call them um it's good to try and work out whilst they're with you because actually you can probably help the gps by honing it down a bit further uh, you know i've got really bad headaches is it hormonal you know i've got really um really sore 
um, back, how high is it on the back? You know, is it where the womb is? Is it further down? Me personally, I had a lot of endometriosis deposits in the pouch of Douglas, which is right at the back, and my bowel was stuck to my spine. So I had a lot of pain in my back, whereas a lot of women present at the front or to the left or to the right, depending on whether they have other complications. So endometriosis can then cause um, endometriomas. Now, an endometrioma is a very large cyst that attaches to the ovary, um, and that can then cause pain as well because it's pushing on other organs, it's pushing on muscle. So absolutely, that's a really great question um, and really good statement, actually, to say um, that it's not just presenting in, in one way. There's there's many ways that it can present. So just keep asking the questions, you know, does this hurt? What happens with this? You know, it's, it's a really good way. Great comment, Katie. Yeah, really good. Um, and yeah, remind yeah. us that regardless of, we do treat the people, don't we? We're not treating the, the, the symptom or the body part. So yeah, really good, Katie. Sammy, yeah. just I've got to say, if you got some follow-up question for that, Sammy, I hope that helped you the answer. But if there's anything else you want to add to that question, then do let us know. Um, actually, Becky's asked something. I was joking, Becky, your question is always great. But <laughs> Becky Carroll has said um, a great question. Um, she says perhaps a random question, but are there any direct effects that endometriosis has on the menopause? This is a really good question. She's good, isn't she? She's always good. Yeah, that's my it's take a really good question. Good. <laughs> so um, there are lots of theorems about the menopause and where we are going. And it's quite in the public eye at the moment because Davina McCall um, put something out there as well on television. So I think it's very in people's minds at the moment. Um, oh, gosh. So. A lot of women that have endometriosis are put into an early menopause to try and stave the pain away. Um, so this is done medically and they use all sorts of variants um, such as Zolodex. Um, it's all chemical based um, to try and calm it. They use contraceptive pill. Um, there are many ways of dealing with this early menopause situation. But then when you're heading for real menopause, um, it can send your whole hormones into complete disarray. I'm a real natural person. I like to take um, particular things to try and help me. So um, I'm allergic to um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, so I can't take ibuprofen. So I try and use um, turmeric, ginger, cinnamon, things like that for anti-inflammatory. Um, and then I take for hormonal balance something called starflower oil, um, which is stronger than evening primrose oil. Many people have heard of this. Um, I'm now 46. So for me, I'm heading for perimenopause. Um, so that's my own experience. But there are lots of women out there that are really in this balance and they're trying to work out what's wrong. I've got pains in my neck, in my shoulder. And that is can be from hormonal um, imbalances. Um, so again, it's worth going to the GP um, and saying, I've got this pain, I've got that, that pain. When you have endometriosis, it's more added things that's coming out and it's difficult for a GP to sort of work out what's going on. So doing, like I said before, an app that's showing you um, a pattern, um, it really helps when you're going to any practitioner and saying, this is what I've been doing for the last year. What is going on? Um, and often with the NHS, they are led down a medical uh, route um, and chemical route um, because that's what they're taught. Um, but there are other practitioners out there that use a more holistic approach. Um, so you can choose and, and take what suits you, I think. Does that help? Does that answer some of it? I was impressed. Well, Becky will follow up, I'm sure. But um, I think that's amazing. Yeah, really good question, Becky. 
I mean, yeah, really interesting. Um, Stacy has got a question as well. I'll read it out for people listening to the podcast. Um, so keep these questions coming, people. It's brilliant. And as you can see, <laughs> Devs has got the answers. You know, it's really, really, <laughs> really all. good. It's really good. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. <laughs> Um, so Stacey Garner says, is there evidence to suggest that birth control um, can, the birth control can level the amount of pain that people who suffer with endometriosis um, suffer with? Yeah. So evidence another, that birth control can. Yeah. Another really good question. So a lot of um, doctors will put, or gynecologists uh, will put women on birth control because it kind of halts the hormonal process. So they believe one of the theories is that, um, the more hormones that are pumping the, the body, um, it's encouraging the endometriosis to grow. So it's almost like a weed. And some people will have operations to cut those weeds down. So there is cutting um, and there is burning, basically, um, to try and stave it off to keep it from growing. Um, and sometimes the contraceptive pills will hold it back. But you are a bit of a guinea pig um, because some won't work with you, some will. Um, it depends on your own hormones. So it's very difficult to know if it will actually cure pain, um, but it could help. It could stop it from being encouraged to grow just by holding back the hormones. And that's why they give you contraceptive pills. Is this, and I've read this, you have to commit me if I'm wrong, but is this, can this be part of the problem as well? Because when you are young and suffering from a heavy period, that's a typical doctor response, isn't it? I'll go on the pill, it'll, it'll reduce the flow. But yeah. that could be missing further investigation, do you think? Because that happened to you, didn't it? I mean, let's go to your story yeah. a little bit. How yeah. old were you when you sort of first sort of, we're looking back, when do you think you wish someone had gone, actually, let's look at this from a different angle? Yeah, when I was 13. <laughs> <laughs> when, when it all started many years ago um yeah when I went to my mum and I went I'm in so much pain like you know and she said oh just take some paracetamol you'll be fine um and then it became I'm not fine <laughs> this is not fine um and then when I hit 17 I had severe acne like really bad and um we went to the doctors because my skin was so bad but it was because of the hormonal fluctuations and then the pain that i was in was just incredible so i went on to the pill really really happy with the pill um my skin cleared up i was really happy there was no problems and then i had to come off the pill um i had my son um which was quite complicated um and then i went back on the pill but then i could only stay on the pill for a certain length of time because of that contraceptive wasn't allowed to continue um and then that's when everything kicked off um, i came off and i was at stage four i was a complete mess um inside um and they needed to start the operations um but it took a while to get there and i went through eight different consultants telling me that it was psychosomatic um telling me that um, i didn't have a twisted ovary so there was nothing wrong with me um, at the time, I was smoking as well. <laughs> so um, I quit that straight away. Um, really, really bad idea. Um, and it took a long while. Then when I found a gynecologist that understood it, um, he cancelled the rest of his patients for the day and took me on board. I was very, very lucky. Wow. Gosh. Yeah. So a few yeah. people had to. And do you think people who saw you then, therefore, was it a wake up call for consultants? I suppose they must have been told or I suppose that's the way they learned. Just realising I saw this woman. I didn't, yeah. didn't think well, about asking. The consultant said to me, um, wow, you really know, you know, you really know it. And you're very good at being able to tell people about it and, and, and sort of help. 
he said would you consider like doing a group and I'm like just fix me first what (laughs) 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 so I eventually approached endometriosis uh, UK um, and it took five years to kind of get on with them because um, they had a lot of people leaving it's not a big charity there's a lot of fights out there um, and eventually um, I, I got with them and then I've been with them for about five, six years now. So, um, yeah, we're getting there, but it's a really slow process. Yeah. Right. We're going to bring some pictures up, aren't we? Which you've given us permission to share. I can't see them, but yeah, I have no idea what you're going to put up. Uh, I do. Obviously, I've given them, but I don't know what, what's coming up. <laughs> I have to describe it to you then. OK, let's bring it up. <laughs> I just wanna, OK, so the picture at the moment is the one with the white underwear. Oh, lovely. Okay. Okay. That, that, have you got the picture now? Because there's one with red. It's the easiest way to describe it. Yeah. No, so I have it. As long as it's not greying underwear, I'm quite happy about that. No, no. <laughs> it's the white underwear with the plaster okay. and the tattoo. And yeah, talk to us through when that was and what that photo is showing. Okay. So this is my um, fourth laparoscopy. So I've gone through four of these. Um, this is my last one. And I decided that actually I probably need to take some pictures and, and show people what I, you know, what I look like um, in the absolute worst of it. So it's quite interesting to see what's on the outside. And when I put that on Facebook uh, to show my story, I, I took the plunge and, and did it. And people were like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I've been dealing with this since I was 13. This is like but because it was visual it really hit home and other women were coming to me and I had some lovely stories where people had seen it, told other people and then they'd been diagnosed with it, which is not great, but it means that you can handle it and it means that actually you can get help. Brilliant. That's what I think it's, that's what I wanted to put up tonight. And obviously thank you for sharing these photos with it because it's exactly what you've just said. People go, I recognize that, you know, yeah. and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Um, I'm just changing the picture over to now the one where you're looking at some some scans some pictures, like six images there. What yep. are we looking at so there? These photos I took with the permission of the hospital um, to show that I'm at stage four endometriosis. So all those kind of dark red deposits, um, they're kind of lifting an ovary and you can see these horrible dark red deposits are endometriosis. So you can see where it's sitting across the tissue and all the white kind of strings are the uh, endometriosis adhesions. So where I've had previous operations, it will cause more adhesions, um, but also it's almost like uh, the adhesions are sticking to organs and it feels like someone's um, like tugging your hair inside your abdomen. So as you move um, or twist, it feels like someone's going oof and pulling your hair. Um, so any sort of feeling that somebody might describe like a, a, a sort of really taut, uh, sharp pain in the pelvis, could it be endometriosis? It's that kind of thing that you're wanting to to find out, really. And it is a persistent pain issue, isn't it? Because one, people are telling you what causes it and there's no cure, which is never great. But what sort of pain do you live with and does it fluctuate depending on time of the month and stuff? Yeah, so time of the month um, might become quite um, painful. (laughs) It it does become quite uh, intense. Um, There are, way back before the last laparoscopy, um, I was on um, Targanact, which is a a slow-release painkiller. So... If you're at that type of stage, you can ask your GP to um, refer you to the pain management team. It's not ideal because it is chemical based um, and they are really, really like under it, the pain management team. But they can put you on to like slow release painkillers so you can actually just manage your day um, on a day to day basis. Um, 
until you can find some alternative or if you're waiting for surgery, things like that. Um, it's, it's very helpful um, for them to then look at you and what you can cope with. Because I'm, I'm quite small um, and there are women that are a lot smaller than me and there's a lot of women that are bigger than me. So it's different sort of pain um, management, I guess, that they need and the dosage. Um, so you definitely need to be under somebody. Taking some ibuprofen isn't good for your stomach. Taking some codeine isn't good for your bowels. You know, so you kind of need something that is going to work with your body. And when I was on Targonat, I think that's the brand. Um, when I was on Targonat, um, my bowels were working fine. I was out of pain and I was able to manage it until I had my surgery. It's interesting. Whenever you, whenever I or anybody, whenever we talk to people who, who know what pain really is, even like women, once they've had sort of children, then the whole level of one to 10 has a new meaning and a new kind of benchmark. <laughs> but even listening to you, you kind of looked and said, yes, it's quite intense. And you used the word quite. And I think people who have <laughs> suffered pain find it difficult to actually, actually yeah. show how big the pain is. But to give us an idea, so at its worst during like once a month, you could use a scale if you want to give us an idea of what you're not able to do or whether you're bedridden yeah. or give us more of an idea. Yeah. I say it throws me to the couch. Um, so I am always in a level of pain round about two or three. So on a scale of one to 10, I'm always in a two or three. I'm always like, um, when I get just before my period or now also I'm getting it halfway through so at ovulation stage as well and I know that now because I'm on my app um, I think oh I'm getting that pain again and sometimes the pain at ovulation stage because of endometriosis is more painful um, than before it also gives you chronic fatigue so when I get to period stage or the um, ovulation stage um, I will get to a 10, 10, 11. I'm in so much pain. Um, it stops me sometimes from breathing. I get quite anxious because I'm like, oh, here we go again. And, and I've got things planned. Um, there's also something called endo belly. So you may notice that all of a sudden women may say to you, oh, I've just eaten. I haven't even eaten bread today. All I've eaten is this. And my belly's just gone, you know, and it just bloats out for no reason that is very very key of endometriosis a real symptom of endometriosis this big bloating and it can be followed by pain again if the pain is at sort of six upwards on a scale of one to ten then you know that you're probably suffering endometriosis yeah someone's got a question which reminded me but okay. before i go to the question what sort of things have helped you then and and obviously the solutions for you not might not be the same for other people but in your case what have you found that's helped so a really good diet that works for you and i say the word diet loosely um i mean like a way of living so i love fresh fruit, fruit and vegetables and things like that so too much fruit's probably not so good um because the idea is um but lots of fresh veg lots of I mean I, I eat meat as well so um for me I need the protein um I need like the rainbow dishes you know you've got a bit of everything um I still have the old cake I still have chocolate I still have some crisps um but for me it was really controlling um what I needed for my diet so for my way of life I cannot absorb the soy very well uh, soy uh, soya uh, mimics estrogen so uh, with endometriosis, you have a lot of estrogen within your body and it seems to kind of push more out. And that also can cause some of the issues. So for me, soya 
um, is not good, uh, soya bean, anything like that. And also linseed um, mimics the estrogen within the body. So um, you'd probably need to speak to a nutritionist uh, to, to find out more. Um, and, and that's sort of their job. That's not my job. Um, but for me, I looked at what are my triggers? What's kicking it off for me? High sugar, you know, too much sugar, alcohol, tea, coffee. What are my triggers? And can I change that? To help and like I said before Matt um, starflower oil um, turmeric um, ginger is really good with blood and um, so I and, and um, cin- cinnamon as well sorry is good with the blood and ginger is very good with anti-nausea I suffer nausea um, when I'm ovulating these are all real key symptoms of endometriosis Wow. So definitely worth talking to a nutritionist and having a look at the diet plan and things. Yeah. No, fascinating. Yeah. I guess that I never knew about like soya and, um, was it on linseed? That's amazing. Linseed, to know that. yeah, yeah. Um, it was, yeah. And also it prompted me, Sammy's come back. Sammy Jack has said, thank you. Do you find exercise also helps? Cause reading your story, is your story out there somewhere? which people do want to read it? Is it available? It's on, on my Facebook. Yeah. But I haven't, um, there is a, 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 my story condensed version, um, on the endometriosis UK website. So I don't know if you're putting that up later or. or yeah. We'll doing. make sure that oh, goes yeah. in the comments. Okay. okay so people can read your story. Yeah. Cause you found, um, Sammy's asked here, do you find exercise almost mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. helps the condition for you? It did, didn't it? Yeah, very much so. So many years uh, ago, somebody said to me, Oh, you should try yoga. And I, I, I just thought to myself, really no I'm not bendy at all I'm so not bendy I'm gonna hate yoga I'm gonna hate it but when I was told and a friend said yeah you can do it and so for me yoga was really good because even though I'm not that bendy actually there's some really good poses um that will actually help the uterus to kind of settle um and aid with back pain and things like that so I I also now share these with um my clients <laughs> like try this try this um and it, and it really helps um i really like um spinning so it's um non-impact swimming is a non-impact as well so anything that's not kind of shunting the pelvis constantly is really good and it raises serotonin levels it raises endorphins so any exercise is good even going for a walk but when you are in so much pain the last thing you want to do is exercise. So for me, um, I would try and exercise on the days that I could exercise on. And where I couldn't exercise, I'd try some of the little yoga stretches, um, just that I felt like I was doing something and I was in control of this, not endometriosis. I was. That's not going to control me. Yeah. Brilliant. I'm loving this. Where do you choose from? <laughs> just in case anyone needs to go and see you or where, where do you work from when you say you see your clients? Where are you based? So I'm based in Bedfordshire. Um, I have my own practice in Caddington um, and I also work in a couple of clinics as well. So um, there's one one in Wellington City and there's one in Harpenden that I um, kind of pop in and do some sort of stuff in there. But I actually have my own practice as well. And do you think, is there um, much variety in people who work in your field? Are you helping people with endometriosis? Could you see somebody and they'll be giving you stuff which is totally different than someone else or is it? Is there kind of some form of homogenization if you go via the endometriosis.uk or your face tells it all? Oh, it's really difficult. So um, it's quite divided. So there's something called the BSGE. Um, You Google BSGE and you'll find all the endometriosis centers that are based 
to do with the NHS across the UK. Um, if you need to get referred to one of those, you can go to your GP and you say, I think I've got endometriosis. They'll say, have you tried to get pregnant or have, are you sure? Do you need antidepressants? Something like that. Just be quite firm um, and, and say, nope, I think I have endometriosis. I would like you to refer me to one of these hospitals, please. And you have done your research by going onto Google, looking at the BSGEs and then trying to find out which one you want to go to. And there are fantastic surgeons across the UK. Um, they get inundated. So I'm not going to say all of them because it would be too much for this local area. Um, but there are some incredible surgeons that really understands uh, endometriosis and they're not just surgeons and they're going to take it away um, there's one surgeon um, that was recently in Hertfordshire he did the whole thing with robots um, and he went in robotically so that he could monitor it and find out where they go the guy that that um, was my surgeon my gynecologist um, he actually does um, fetal um, surgery so he goes inside the womb um, and actually performs surgery on babies so I trusted him completely some incredible people out there um, and they're all part of these endometriosis centers um, under the BSGE so you can find wow. you can find them we'll make sure in the show notes that um, all these links get put in right thanks Sammy okay. great question um, um we've got some more questions here let's have a little look um just scrolled up so I don't miss it. I anything. have a sip of my tea if that's all right. Oh, yeah, you go for it. Slope away. <laughs> Fine. Um, bah, 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 bah. We talked about that. Let's have a little look down there. Oh, here we go. Yeah. So Catherine has asked a question here. Um, you just said, hey, this is a while back, but about cysts. Is it also related to polycystic ovary syndrome or can it uh, be mistaken for PCOS? Yep. So PCOS has its own classic. So polycystic ovary syndrome is um, quite uh, easy to spot. Um, so women often suffer with weight issues, often suffer with um, excess hair. Um, so it's quite easy to spot very quickly. However, if one ovary is polycystic, hi, um, and the other one isn't, <laughs> um, then it's not so easy to show. Um, so you will find that um, fertility can be a problem with PCOS. You will get pain um, and they will probably be able to find um, if you have PCOS um, and it's very, very uh, clear links with endometriosis on an MRI. So um, if any doctor says to you, well, we'll do an ultrasound, it's no good because they're going into the womb and not into the pelvic cavity. Whereas with PCOS, they can go into the womb and they can look at the um, ovary there. So they can probably tell whether you have PCOS, whether they can tell that it's linked with endometriosis. They may not know this unless they've gone into the cavity of the womb. So either a laparoscopy or an MRI. Yeah. Right, there you go, Catherine. If you need a follow up on that, let us know, Catherine. That's a great question. Um, well Jackie done. here is sharing some experience. I'll read it out for people listening to the podcast and for you, oh, Debs. So That's Jackie cool. says, <laughs> <laughs> I had an endometriosis, um, had to have a radical hysterectomy in my late 20s, used to have so much pain because I developed chocolate cysts which we can explain in a second, in my ovaries. Mm -hmm. Yes, because of surgical intervention, had an earlier menopause, but was then put on HRT. One of the main problems for me were the pains in lower back and groin and upper legs. Mm -hmm. I'm now 66 and there was very little help back wow. then. Yes. Oh, gosh, I'm so sorry to hear that. 
that's yeah i've heard these type of stories many times but it's still very individual let's mention the chocolate cysts what's that yeah. about so um, an endometrioma is a, is, a, is a cyst and it's larger than normal and it's a, a, attached to the ovary. A chocolate cyst is an endometrioma that is full of old blood. So it appears chocolate like on any scans or anything. These can be very painful if they burst. Um, very, very painful. You are just stunned. You cannot move. Um, and often women will end up in hospital. If they burst, um, then they the tissue can then stay in the pelvic cavity and can cause adhesions, can cause toxic um, situations. Sometimes they just absorb into the body. So I've had two bursts now um, and I've been on the phone to um, NHS Direct and they just ask you, is, you know, do you have a temperature? How are you feeling? Whatever. And I know how to deal with it now. Um, I will just go and get in a really hot bath. I will take some codeine and some paracetamol and I know how to deal with it. But if you've never had one before and it bursts, it's incredibly painful and you do need medical help um, just to just rule out any toxic situations um, because I don't know how your body will take it. But generally, um, I have a link with an, an endo nurse at Luton Dunstable Hospital and they have told me that generally it's absorbed into the body. But I don't know what your body's already taking on board. So if that ever happens, do get medical advice. A chocolate cyst can also spend its life there and never do anything. Um, people can have fibroids. I have a cyst at the moment and a fibroid and I'm, I'm not struggling with it at the moment. So it depends on the mass that's already there. Um, like somebody said earlier, I totally forgot, was it Katie? Said everybody's individual mm. um, and we present very, very differently. But hopefully that explains what an endometrioma or chocolate cyst is. There you go. Thanks for sharing, Jackie. How are you now? Um, so you say you're 66. You say you had yeah, how pain. You? How are you now? That's what we want to know. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. How are you now? We're interested to know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, come back to us. Um, let's have a little look. Stacey asks the question. Um, let's have a look. Can major surgery from a large accident start endometriosis from the scar tissue adhesions? It's unlikely that um, a catalyst such as a car accident would start endometriosis. It could be something that's already there um, within the cells and you have been on birth control pills or whatever and it's never um, come to light um, until all of a sudden your periods start changing and something's happened. So I wouldn't say that a car accident is the catalyst, but it could be something that's happened that then changed your cycles and then we become aware that there is endometriosis within the pelvic cavity or somewhere else okay there you go stacy let's know if you need any more um, follow up to that thank you for the great question I'm sorry to hear that if you've been in a car accident before um right well look it's 8 56 and i promised you better half that you'd be clear for dinner by <laughs> nine <laughs> Yeah, I know. Really laying on the guilt. It's amazing. I know. Check me out. Yeah. Just to <laughs> to kind of bring it all together. Then, I mean, it's been a fascinating oh. hour, and obviously, we could talk more about it. Thank but <clears throat> the take home for soft tissue therapists who want to um, play a part in helping um, individuals who don't even know that this is going on is yeah. to to talk more and open the door to those conversations when people come in. Um, and you've also mentioned some leaf. If people do look like mm. they need help, what leaflets do you think they should have? There you go. 
Oh, yeah, so we've got yeah. leaflets like this at Endometriosis UK. So you can just um, email or go onto the website um, and email Endometriosis UK and have them in your practice. It's absolutely no problem. Um, and it might be just be helpful in a waiting room um, to have them Brilliant. there or, you know, obviously it's a bit difficult with COVID. There's still some rules. Um, but yeah, it's really helpful for them because it just guides you. It's got the telephone number on there, the um, help uh, telephone number so there is a man's line um, there's the website and then on the website um, it's got um, all of information you could possibly ask for um, to do with employers um, where to go what supports in your area across the UK and Ireland what like there's just so much information and it's really good to kind of guide you through um, yes yeah, so it's really helpful Fantastic. So that could be like a leaflet if when we're back to normal waiting rooms or even just on those boards, which I think are great because people love just looking yeah. and reading things while they're waiting. And that's where it could be. Oh, that's me. That's me. I need yeah. to do this. And it's all <laughs> kind of, no one knows about it. Yeah, it's great. OK, fantastic. And if people want to talk about it with you, um, what's the best way to contact you if they've got further questions about it? Yeah, by all means. So I'm on Instagram. I'm uh, under Deb's Curly Whirly. So you can contact me there. <laughs> We also have um, a Facebook page. Um, so for the support group locally, um, then we've got a Facebook page. So it's probably really good to just go through Endometriosis UK, um, go onto the website and then click on the support thing and then get them get me through that way. Or I'm, I'm happy to take things on Facebook and just find me on the Deborah Thurlow Rowley and um, ask me, message me. Um, and I'm quite happy to take any you know any messages not a problem and then i can just guide you to where you need to be if you're across the country or if you're um in america or across the world um we can guide you from there as well fantastic that's really great do you want to explain the curly whirly while people are thinking it <laughs> so my surname's thurlow roly and yeah. many years ago uh, it's quite tricky to say <laughs> and uh, there was one gentleman um who decided that i was no longer called thurlow roly i was deb's curly whirly much easier <laughs> I wanted to copy you in an Instagram, but I thought I can't put tonight's chat as with Deborah Curly Whirly on it. It's like Deborah no one's going to. Anyway, that's amazing. Um, Emma here has just summed up, I think, what everyone's thinking. Really great chat, Debs. I have several Thanks. friends and clients with the condition, so really great to know how I can help more and then wow. be able to spot the symptoms for any new clients. And that's exactly, if everyone walks away with that, then brilliant job done and all thanks to you Debs. Brilliant. so thank oh, you so much thank you thank you um as always if people are watching the recording on youtube then we can continue this conversation in the comments section i'll keep my eyes open always and i do contact guests if there's questions there um, and let them know um so yeah keep it going if you're watching the recording or listening to the podcast um then um yeah that'd be great thank you so thanks, much Debs. for all your questions thanks ever so much matt i do appreciate right. the time thanks for tonight. sharing your thank story you. as well you know obviously it's you're something welcome. that affects your life but it's yeah been really really uh, interesting hour so thank you Love um before we sign off, just to let you know, next week, um, I think I mentioned at the beginning, but next week we have got an hour with, let me bring it up, with Chris from Never Too Old to Lift, uh, which is going to be all about over 60s resistance training. I know a few people are already aware of Chris's great work. Um, it's going to be great. What can I say? I'm biased, but it will be really, really good about how um, the whys of of getting people who are over 60 to actually do resistance training, the hows, the myths, misconceptions and things um, and the benefits. So um, do join us same time uh, Tuesday at eight o'clock on the Sports Therapy Association Facebook page or on YouTube. Um, and if you can't make it live, then obviously we'll be on um, 
uh, and the podcast as well. Right. Thanks again, Debs. Um, thank enjoy you. your dinner and thank everybody thank for joining you. us. See you next Bye-bye. week. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about it.